Amen. Thanks very much once again for you to just connect with us. And I'm thankful to the Lord for this opportunity that we can keep connecting one with another and encouraging one another. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, I bless you, I honor you even for this opportunity and the moment, Lord, to connect with your people all over the world. I thank you, my Father, that as you keep on teaching us, we become stronger and stronger. For you said, men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth. We are ready to receive from your throne even this day. Spirit of the living God, teach us, guide us, and lead us unto all the ways of the truth. I'm thankful for the anointing of the Holy Ghost upon my life. For indeed, Father, you have anointed me to preach your word. You have anointed me to bind up the brokenhearted. You have anointed me to set at liberty them that are bound and to proclaim your favor upon all your people. In the name of Jesus, indeed, may this word be a word of encouragement, a turning point to some of the people that are listening at this moment. In the name of Jesus, Father, we give you praise, we give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We are continuing with what we started last week. Last week we started on the subject that says what keeps you going. And we, I told you that, I promised you that we'll continue with this in the coming week. So indeed we are here to continue with that. But today we'll focus specifically on the subtitle that says, With Jesus in my boat, I can face any storm. With Jesus in my boat, I can face any storm. It means the presence of Jesus in my life, that's what makes me to be victorious at all the time. Jesus did not promise us life without challenges, but he promised that he will always be with us. He promised us that he has given us the victory. He has actually overcome this world so that we may also be overcomers here on earth. I want us to recap the book of John chapter 16 verse 33 in the Amplified. I want us to read that together. John 16 33 Amplified. I've told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration, but be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident, certain, undaunted, for I have overcome the world. I've deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. You can see that Jesus actually gives us his word before time so that we may be prepared. So he says, I've told you these things so that in me you might have perfect peace. He tells us beforehand that whenever you face this, I'm with you. When you go through the fires, they will not burn you. When you go through the rivers, they will not sweep you off because I'm with you. I'm holding you by my right hand of power. So Jesus says, I've overcome the world and I've deprived it of any power to harm you. So be confident. Be confident and not be afraid. So as we look at the issue of the storms today, I want us to go to the book of Matthew chapter 7 because in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 27, we will do it in the NIV, Matthew 7, 24 to 27. It says, Therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. 
The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. If you look at this portion of scripture, Jesus distinguishes between two groups of people, those who hear the word of God and put it into practice, and those who hear and not put it into practice, or even not hear at all. So many people today have heard a lot about the word of God. Most of you who claim to be Christians, you've heard the word of God most of the time, but the challenge is to put it into practice. You know what God has promised. And when he has given you a word, and you can confess it, you can talk about it, but the question is, do you believe the word that the Lord has given you? So here he says, these two groups of people, there is a group that he likens to somebody who builds his house on the rock. Okay? So it means you've got a solid, strong foundation. When the winds come, when the storms blow against your house, your house will remain standing. Somebody takes a shortcut and builds on sand. Obviously on the stormy day, on the rainy day, that house will fall and great will be its fall. Now, what is the problem here? Whose problem is it that the house falls? Is it the wind? Is it the storm? Why then is the other house not falling? problem is the foundation. So what you are facing, the problem is not with the problem. The problem is how you respond to the problem. The problem is how rooted are you in the word of God, in knowing what God has said. So when I say the word of God keeps me going, it's because I know what God has said. He has told me these things beforehand so that in him I may have peace and confidence. So it means when things come against my life, and I already know the end of the game. I already know that I'm much more than a conqueror. I already know that God said he will never leave me nor forsake me. Then I will not be troubled. That's why I keep on telling all of you that my heart is at peace. I'm not troubled. Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. So that's why I'm saying, if I have Jesus in my boat, I can face any storm. I want us to go together to the book of Mark chapter 4 verse 36 to 41. We'll read in the Amplified Version. I want us to look at this storm issue and also see what happens when you do not have Jesus and you are facing a storm. Let's go to Mark chapter 4. And leaving the throne, they took him with them, just as he was in the boat in which he was sitting, and other boats were with him. Okay? I want us just to look at this one quickly. It says they took him with them in the boat, but there were also other boats there. Okay? Now, all these people, they were about to sail. Some of them were already probably sailing. But with the disciples, the, the boat that the disciples were in, they took Jesus with them. But there were also other boats there. Why does the Bible talk about there were other boats there? In my spirit it says, 
Just like there are people who have Jesus with them, there are others who do not have Jesus with them. And you won't see the difference until the storms arise. So when the storms arise, those with Jesus, they can call on Jesus. Now when the storms arise and you have no Jesus, what are you going to do? Let's continue. Verse 37. And a furious storm of wind, of hurricane, came proportions, arose, and the waves kept beating in the boat so that it was already becoming filled. But he himself was in the stern of the boat, asleep on the leather cushion. And they awoke him and said to him, Master, do you not care that we are perishing? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush now, be still, muzzled. And the wind ceased, sank to rest as if exhausted by his beating. And there was immediately a great calm, a perfect peacefulness. He said to them, why are you so timid and fearful? How is it that you have no faith, no firmly relying trust? And they were filled with great awe and feared exceedingly and said one to another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I want you to look at this closely. Firstly, the situation of the disciples and the situation of the other boats where Jesus was not there. The Bible doesn't tell us what happened to the other boats where Jesus was not there. But we can guess what happened to some of them. You can also guess what happened to some of them. But focusing on the disciples, Jesus says, why are you so timid and fearful? How is it that you have no faith? You cannot rely or trust in me. So actually there are times when Jesus expects us to trust in him because of all the teachings that we have received. Now when we do not show faith and we are walking in fear, it surprises him. He says, how is it that you have no faith? I've told you these things beforehand so that in me you might have peace. I've told you these things so that you may have faith because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So it means when we face challenges, that's an opportunity to put into practice the word that we've heard. Jesus says, if you hear this word and put it into practice, you will be like a man who builds his house on a solid rock foundation. You cannot be moved. The Russians are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved. But if you take a shortcut, I always used to wonder, why do foundations take so long? You would find that the builders, they would dig, deep down, throw a lot of concrete, a lot of cement, down, down, before they can start building. To somebody who doesn't know building, you will say, what a waste. I know when we grew up in rural areas, our parents used to build houses with mud. There was not even a strong foundation there. Just take some bricks and start building already. But then, during rainy times, they would always be scared that their houses would fall. So it means before troubles come, your house that's built on rocky foundation and the house that's, not built, that's built on sand, they look the same. But the test that will reveal which house is found upon the rock is the storms that come. We are not immune to storms. We are all not exempted from storms. But some of us, we remain standing. 
even throughout this period, the lockdown period, coronavirus, or anything that people say, some of us, we are not troubled. We are at peace. Our houses are founded upon the rock. We know what God has said. Our, how, our hearts are at peace. We know the end of the game. We are more than conquerors. So that's why my encouragement to all of you is that we should have Jesus with us at all times and rely upon him. It's just that Jesus does not enforce himself in our situations. He waits for us to invite him. Because some of you would say, but if God is in charge, if God is, is powerful over the devil, why does this and this happen? Why does he enforce this and this? Why does, he, why does he allow this? Why this, this? He has given us free will. We can choose to have him in our boat or not. So, beside Jesus being in my boat, I'm also reminded about the time, the wedding of Cana in Galilee. Jesus was invited there. So to me it says, there were other weddings where Jesus was not invited. I want us to go to it together. The book of John chapter 2, verse 1 to verse 10. We look closely in the NIV and see what happens when you have invited Jesus, when you have Jesus by your side. And now things start running short and you start being in trouble. What happens when you have Jesus? The question is, what about those weddings where Jesus was not invited? It's the same even in the days we're living in. Some people have marriages that are not founded upon the solid rock of the word of God. They do not have Jesus in their marriages. But some of us have Jesus in our marriages. So when things seems to be, when our marriages seems to be troubled, we know who to call on. And he always brings us a miracle. So let's go together. John chapter 2, verse 1 to 10, NIV. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. I want you to look at that. Invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, Why? They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. I want you to look at this because this is very crucial. Here in this wedding of Cana and Galilee, Jesus was invited. Like I said, there were many weddings where he wasn't invited. So when they get into trouble, that's their own problem. But when Jesus is invited, we can always call on him. But now here, the mother of Jesus says to the servants, whatever he tells you, do it. Because it's the same thing that Jesus said, I'm giving you my word, and if you put it into practice, you are going to be a successful person. So the problem with most of us is not that we haven't heard what Jesus has told us. We just don't do it. So Mary says, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Do you do the word of God? Do you obey and, and, and practice the word of God? So let's hear now, if they do what Jesus tells them, even if it doesn't make sense, just do it. The problem with most of us is that we want to make sense of the word of God. Faith and sense are not, uh, they, they are not compatible. 
That's why the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. Sight is a sense, while faith is believing and trusting in God. So you will see in this story that even some of the things that Jesus says to them, it doesn't make sense, but it makes faith. And then you get results if you act on faith. Look at this. Verse 6. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the water, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine. After the guests have gone, have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best till now. Okay? It means it's very easy when you start. Okay, I want us to start here. The mother of Jesus had said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Don't reason it. Because imagine if these guys were not told that. Now, they want wine, and Jesus says, fill the water pots with water. How do you get water, wine from water? Are you going to try and do a sweet aid, a cool aid thing here? But then, he says, fill the water pots with water. And the Bible says, they filled it to the brim. So if they filled it to the brim, now it's water. It doesn't make sense. I think these guys, because they were saving, the servants, they, they, were, they served the wine before, but now they are told to fill the water pots with water. And now he says, draw it and take it to the master of the banquet. Hmm? Draw the water. Take it to the master of the banquet. Imagine filling the whole water board, all those gallons with water. And you say, we're going to have wine here. Jesus said there will be wine. It doesn't make sense. But just do what he told you to do. So they just obeyed. Fill the water board with water. When he says draw and give it to the governor of the feast, they drew. And the Bible says, as they went, as they take, took it to the governor of the feast, when the governor or the master of the banquet tasted the wine that is changed, the water that is changed into wine. He was now surprised because this was one of the best wines that he has ever tasted. But how did this miracle come to pass? Whatever he tells you to do, do it, even if it doesn't make sense. Because most of us, our problem is that we're trying to reason too much. We try to make sense out of many things. I remember one time when uh, Jesus and the disciples needed man for text. He says to Peter, Peter, go and catch a fish. And in the mouth of a fish, you are going to find tax money for you and for me. Peter had been a fisherman all his life. I don't ever imagine that he would have ever seen money in the mouth of a fish. So Peter had all the reasons to ask the master, Master, how do we get money in the mouth of a fish? Let me tell you as a professional fisherman, you sell fish and get money. You don't get money in the mouth of a fish. 
But Peter, by this time, he had learned, walking with Jesus, that whatever he tells you to do, do it. So when he said, go and, uh, into the sea, and then you will catch that fish, and there will be money, Peter obeyed, and he caught the fish, and there was money. Because some of you would have said, what if the fish that comes to take the bait does not have the money? That's not your problem. The master said there will be money in the mouth of a fish. So can I give you practically how it would have happened? Firstly, because some of you are struggling with that. You try to reason as a mere human being and you try to see how God does things. Because somebody would have said, what if the fish that comes first is the one that does not have the money in the mouth of a fish? Can I tell you what would have happened? The money would have been in its mouth too. Because whatever Jesus says, it happens. It's like when it was dark and God said, let there be light. Where did light come from? From the words that he spoke. So whatever God declares, it becomes. Similarly, you can declare things in your life and they will become so. So can we conclude this story? Because I want these words that the governor of the feast says. He says, everyone bring out the choice wine first, then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What is the secret? So he, in essence, was asking this bridegroom to say, I've never seen this. What is your secret? What happened? The Bible doesn't give us the answer. But we know what the answer was. The answer was Jesus was there. And he's the one who made that miracle. So even in your own life, whether it's your married life, Maybe things are not going well in your marriage now. You need Jesus to restore your wine. So that those early days would be restored again. Where you always miss each other. And you always appreciate one another. So sometimes when you run out of wine, you start no more seeing any good in any one of you. You keep on fighting husbands and wives. Some of you even end up killing one another. It means you are running short of wine. That's why you need Jesus in your marriage. So in our own lives, whether it's in your businesses or in any place, can we always call on Jesus? Let me share with you my secret as we draw to a close. Because the secret between those of us who trust in God and those who don't, Secret between those of us who embrace the word of God and act on it and those who don't. You will be surprised when you always see us being different. And you end up saying, in which world do you live? Because every time we ask you how are you, you say I'm blessed and highly favored. That's what people know about me. Because I do not allow situations to dictate to me how I should live my life. I am a servant of the Lord. I have made Jesus the Lord of my life. So Jesus' word reigns supreme in my life. He is my Lord and he is your Lord too. So can we look at this secret in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verse 27? I want to share this with you because it's a very powerful secret. Okay, are you ready for the secret? I know that some of you, you like secrets. So hear the secret from the word of God, not these many other secrets of gossip. Listen to this. Colossians 1.27 in the NLT, New Living Translation. 
For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. Did you just hear the secret? Because he says, God wanted you to know that the riches that he has in store, they are also for you Gentiles. All of us who are far off, who are not of the Jewish nation, we were regarded as Gentiles because we are far off from the promises of God. But the Bible here says the promises of God are for you too. But there is a secret. The secret is Jesus Christ in my life. And if I have Jesus Christ in my life, then I have the assurance that I can partake in God's glory. You can see the glory of the Lord if you believe. Do you remember when Jesus said to Martha, when Lazarus was dead, and when Jesus said, where did you lay him? And Martha started reasoning and saying, he's been dead four days, he's stinking. Jesus says to her, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of the Lord? So some of you are missing to see the glory of the Lord because you are not taking heed of the word of God. I'm encouraging you, I'm encouraging you, child of God, Embrace the word. Be a person of the word. May you not always be swayed to and fro by the opinions of people. You need to say, I've made Jesus the Lord of my life. Only his word is final authority in my life. Whether it's in my body where sickness wants to come, you've got to say sickness, you've got no right over my body. I'm healed by the stripes of the Lord Jesus. That's why there is this confession that I've shared with some of you. Some of you even call it the Corona Confession, but I call it the Confession, the Faith Declarations on Healing. Because then you can declare and say, my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. It is not the temple of sicknesses. It is not the temple of viruses. Coronavirus has got no power in my body because the life of Jesus flows through my body. Indeed, the spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. So imagine the power that raised Jesus from the dead dwelling in me. And maybe there is any virus or any cancer cell in this body. Do you think it will stay? It cannot stand the power of God. The word of God compares the, word, the power of God with dynamite. It says, you shall, Acts 1.8, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall receive power. And the scholar says that word, power, is the word dunamis, which is the word where we get words like dynamite, dynamo. And that is the power that you have as a child of God. That's why I'm saying to you, what keeps me going is the word of God. With Jesus in my boat, I can face any storm. Be encouraged. I'm going to close and we are going to keep on connecting if time permits. But at the end of this, we'll also share with you our details so that those of you who want to communicate with us, who want to connect with us, you can do so. And we keep glorifying God together. In Jesus' name, let us pray. 
Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we just want to thank you and bless you for the power that is in your word. I thank you, my Father, for reviving us and making us bold. We've got boldness and confidence in you because we know what you have said. We are not moved by circumstances. We are people of faith. In the name of Jesus, Father, I just want to thank you and bless you that even as we declare your word over our lives, continue to confirm your word with signs following. You said, O oh Lord, that we have sinned correctly, for you are watching over your word to perform it. May you fulfill your word in our lives in the name of Jesus. And I pray, Father, even for all your children that are listening to, this, to, the, to my voice right now, I say may they be strengthened with might in the inner man. Some of them might have been afraid of many things. I say, Father, strengthen them in the name of Jesus. Some of them have needs. May they know you as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, their provider, in the name of Jesus. Father, I just want to thank you and bless you for your peace. I thank you, Father, I bless you that you are in charge. And Jesus is Lord over every situation. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. Amen. Stay blessed. Continue to walk in victory. Jesus in your boat, you can face any storm. Amen.